0: Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Deitch. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest this week, but a notable one. We should really play the Game of Thrones music in the background. Maybe I'll ask Patrick to do that. Because the guest is Andrew Marchand. After 377 podcasts in the post-Sports Illustrated era for me, Andrew Marshand is a guest on this podcast he is, of course, now a senior sports media columnist for The Athletic, previously worked for the New York Post and ESPN, uh, where he covered both sports media and baseball. For those of you who are based in the New York area will know Andrew's work as a New York Mets writer. Goes without saying, he is absolutely preeminent newsbreaker in MySpace and has been so for a number of years. And it is great to now have him at the the athletic where uh he's already in a very short amount of time broken some significant news and with that andrew marshall welcome to the sports media podcast
1: yeah thank you richard very nice introduction i appreciate it thanks for having me on 377 okay so hopefully we don't do another 377 hopefully we can do a second one before uh we get to i'm not good at math whatever that is 740 uh, <laughs> i don't know i'm embarrassing myself with the math but whatever that is I need like I need like, a, like a zeros at the end there to do that
0: math. All right, we'll see what the chemistry is between me and you. I, mean, I know you're used to working with John O'Ran, but you know he's who knows? He's probably at an Orioles game right now, so I'll have to do. Um, all right, we're going to start off with Tom Brady. That's the topic I want to start off with. Um, I, I'm not going to ask you to do a Brady meter or anything <laughs> like that. It seems like that gets you in trouble whenever we do that. But I think both of us, I mean, based on both of us talking to people around, as they say, the Fox Sports lot. I think both of us are in agreement that if we were betting today, and we're taping this in early March, that Tom Brady will be with Kevin Burkhardt on Fox's number one team calling football this fall. So let's work from that. But if you if you don't agree with that, you can get into this. So here's where I want to start with. Uh, how big a story do you see this in sports media in 2024?
1: Yeah, I think you never know what's going to come up, but I think you could make a pretty good argument. It's the biggest story in sports media uh, because it's it's not rare for a great NFL quarterback to be in the broadcast booth. I kind of once looked at a list of like the top twenty, you know, random list of the top twenty, you know, greatest quarterbacks. And talking when you look at the modern era, so I'm not talking about the Unitas' and Bart stars of the world, but modern era. They almost all go into TV. It's rare that they don't. Like John Elway comes to mind as one guy who hasn't really done television, you know, as a analyst. So, so Tom Brady as a great quarterback doing the NFL isn't something that unique. You know, Peyton and Eli have done it a little bit differently, um, but most go into it. Phil Rivers, I guess, is someone who hasn't done it yet, who could have, you know, got into broadcasting and maybe now doesn't. Uh, but the the significance, though, is. He's considered the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, His level of fame with his marriage to Giselle, who he dates. And it's, you know, he's not, to me, Michael Jordan. He's just right below that level um, in terms of fame and and what he did. Um, But uh, I think that makes it different. And then um, because of where the money has gone, um, you know, 10-year, $375 million contract, uh, that also is significant, um, and then lastly, you know, you've written about this and talked about this a lot. You know, Greg Olson has done so well um, as his, in his two years as lead analyst, which include a Super Bowl. Uh, that's another big factor. And let me I can give a bonus one that came to mind: the Fox year ends at the Super Bowl, uh, so the broadcast booth is always the most significant one for that year if they end at the Super Bowl. So. For people who are who love Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, for people who hate Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and we've seen it for so many years over the last twenty five, uh, he's going to be back, uh, but this time in the boot.
0: All right. So before I get to even like sort of thinking about like how he might do, how important Game One is, because he's Tom Brady, because he's you've mentioned it, because he's as famous as he is, he has his hand in a lot of different stuff. I think he's a he's a partial owner of the Las Vegas Aces. Maybe he owns. They might own the Raiders too. I don't even remember. But yeah, he has uh, a part.
1: Yeah, he. I don't. I don't think that's um, approved yet. But I do believe at the next owners' meeting that that will be on the docket. So I think that will most likely happen.
0: Okay. So the reason I bring that up is, like, I guess theoretically there are still things that could prompt him not to do this. But based on your reporting, Andrew, based on who you've spoken with you're with me that like the likelihood is if both of us had to guess today, he'll be in the booth. I mean, I don't want to Brady meter it, but I would Brady yeah, I don't meter Brady it to,
1: meter either. I'll yeah. say, I'll, I'll
0: Brady meter it. I'm going to put it at 90% and over, but that's it. Blame me if he doesn't do it, but that's
1: how I see yeah, it. I would go, I would go. Yeah. I would go 90 as well at, you know, 90 plus. The one thing I will say, um, and he's into it, right? He's seems um, like it. Not, you know, this is always, you know, there's a difference between like writing stuff and, you know, not to get too detailed, but, you know, I've heard some things that he's doing and, you know, we, we and it's been out there and he's kind of said some things as well. So it's not like some state secret fully, um, but, you know, so he is working at it. The one caveat I would say is that if he does decide not to do it, it's probably going to be late that he decides that, right? Like if he says, I'm not good at this, I don't want to put myself out there, I'm going to not do well. Um, hey, look, the money is so great. And Tom Brady, as we know now, you know, in the modern era, these guys can make money quite easily. You know, they get in business ventures. People want to be around them. They can do speeches for, you know, you know, I don't know what a speech for Tom Brady goes, but I would be shocked if he couldn't get at least a quarter of a mil, if not more, to do some speeches if he wanted to. Um, and so uh, so he can make money, but not this. This money is like he can make it, but this is sort of you work four and a half months and he's done. And I think it's been pretty evident from his serious XM show. um, to some of the comments he, he likes talking about it. Like, I'm sure we're going to get into maybe if, you know, he's good or not going to be good or not, but he, he has shown a penchant for wanting to talk about it. um, And, you know, willingness to be critical uh, in, in some regards. And I think he's competitive. Um, And so I don't think he's going to back down. So I think he he will do it. Um, You know, did he want to do it? He he did a story with Jason Gay of the Wall Street Journal a few years ago where Jason asked him about it and showed no interest at that point. And so I think, you know, if you asked his true feelings of like, if this is some kind of thing he wanted to do, uh, I don't really think so. I think it just became too tempting because of um, the amount of money they offered. And, you know, now I think he's all in. um, And so he's going to make the best of it. But I think the caveat is, if he's doing these, like you know, practice runs and it's not good, I, I it wouldn't like totally shock me if he pulled the plug, but I don't think that will happen.
0: No, right, so a couple of things, you, it, like you, you, hit on a number of things that to me are interesting, and you're absolutely right. Like even for Tom Brady, like that, it's hard to walk away from thirty nine million for one year or whatever. You know, what I mean, like it's four months' yeah. work. Like you know, just do the math on that. So he has absolutely indicated, at least for now, that he is into it. Like I think both of us saw the back and forth he had with Steve Young where he really got detailed on analysis. And that was one where I was like, wow, all right, like this guy, like he's pretty serious about this in terms of being critical and sort of looking at the field while, you know, that Jim Gray show obviously is like a sort of a bunch of buddies who are chatting. Jim Gray has been a Tom Brady guy for a long, long time. Again, like Brady over the last, I feel like two years has, um, he's gotten much more comfortable to me in, in a, I don't know, I guess called like a co-hosting role or something to that effect. Uh, both of us have heard, I'm sure, that he's reached out to a lot of people in the business just to talk about stuff. Like I, when I was in Buffalo and saw Romo and Nance, they both said that Brady has reached out to them a number of times. So he's, if nothing else, he seems to be, you know, taking the part seriously to be great. And again, like you said, he's so massively competitive. He doesn't want to go in the booth and not be well. So this all leads me to this. You know, guys like you who are like who are gonna be watching this, Andrew, so you know, very 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 closely. Like, how important you think for Tom Brady is game one? We we both have been around where like the the Jason Witten game one, like let's be honest, that ended Jason Witten. It, it did take a little bit more time, but he never recovered from that. Mike Carey, remember him like a couple of years in CBS, the the yep. rules analyst, did not have a great first game, and it's over. Well, conversely, Romo has like the greatest first game ever. And you know, has now rolled for a long time. We're gonna save the Romo conversation for Andrew and I for another time because Andrew and I can do an hour on this where I'll get called uh, his enabler and Andrew will get called too much of a killer on him. But do you know what I'm saying? like it does I, what, what's interesting to me is I don't know if Tom Brady because he's Tom Brady. Maybe game one doesn't matter as much. And um, I don't know, there's as much discussion about every game with Brady, or do you think that he fits into the, um, you got to come out of the gate, given the money you're being paid game one, you got to be great. And however the reviews are for that game will dictate how the season goes. How do you see that one?
1: So uh, it's a little bit of a split. So there's, you know, it it's never been more important than to do well right out of the gate because of social media. And, you know, you and I have been covering this, you know, obviously I came back six years ago and covered previously uh, before I spent, you know, 11 years at ESPN, um, so you always had an opinion, but when you first started doing this, the internet was there, but it wasn't there like it is today where, so your column, it came out Monday and you're doing a review, you know, that, um, you know, was, you know, you were, you had a voice, not everyone had a voice. Now everyone has a voice. Now, hopefully when our job is to have a bigger voice and, you know, for our opinions to meet a little bit more If we're you know, hopefully, um, but That said, everyone's going to have a voice. So it is very important on the internet to do well right away. Um, I think networks and people sometimes overrate that because there are the people who are the most vocal and kind of matter the most who are watching are the big fans who really are into this stuff. And there, as we both know, there are a lot of people who are, especially when you talk about the NFL. So, you know, you could lose people quickly. um, And, Look, you know we we are gonna be covering it as big as you know, hopefully anywhere and better than anywhere. And so, like, it's he, how he comes out of the gate, fairly or unfairly, is gonna be important. Now, I would say what he does next February is more important. So, you know, there is a build-up there. Um, you hit on something about, you know, when you talk about Tom Brady, I think Peyton is a great example of this. I think it's inc- when you talk about the Manicast, One of the things that just stands out about what Peyton does now—it's a different form, you know—it's um, a different format. But he basically is the host of that show, and he has the ability, looking on a TV, to see things that you, to me, you don't hear in regular broadcast a lot, and terminology and explained in a very succinct uh, and understandable way of you know something. You know, they're joking around about. Um, Peyton's forehead a lot and they probably should retire that a little bit because they've been doing it too much, in my opinion, over a few years. But they, um, but he picks out little things that are tremendous. And I think having covered the Yankees uh, for a lot of years, been around Jeter and A-Rod and, and you know, a lot of great players, I do think that a lot of the great players to me are sports dorks. And what I mean, that I don't mean that as an insult. I mean it in like, like, ner- like they are just nerdy about the subject because they've reached a level that's just different. Um, they're the big men on campus, but the campus is the world. And the way they got there was just, you know, yes, it's physical ability, but you look at Peyton, you look at Brady, and they're not really physically. They're guys who've been in a league who have been physically better than them. But what separates them largely is a couple of things is their passion for it, their work ethic, and their desire to understand things and study – and I do think Brady is going to be next level in terms of what he sees, how his brain works. And that now the question is, can it go from his brain to his mouth in a easy, simple way? And I'll finish this thought on this is that, you know, the, the, the example I always use, if you say a seven route, right? You need your next sentence should be, you know, it's called a seven route because it's like the number seven. And if you can explain that in layman's terms and not just give me cover two, which I would love to quiz football fans about what cover two means. And I think it would be like 20%. We get it right. Maybe 30. I think there'd be a lot of people like cover two, cover two, explain to me cover two. And I won't put you on the spot to explain cover two, but cover two is just said and not explained. And I think that can Brady do that? And that's what like separates really is taking the complicated and making it easy to understand uh but he definitely has the goods i mean there's no doubt in my mind that he has the it's inside of them you know can they get that out of them
0: yeah no i'm not gonna explain i mean cover two i think is too deep uh 500 i zone. told
1: you but i anyway. wasn't gonna put yeah i wasn't gonna put down the spot i will even cover yeah but, any, but, yeah, but anyway I yeah
0: but like I, i'm not my you, point I'm, is people the, say
1: cover two and it's like i don't think everyone they say the a gap explain to me if you say the a gap Explain to me what that means in blocking. There's an A, B, C, D. Like, What does that mean? Make it easy for me to understand because not all of us played football at any level, let alone a high level.
0: So the the interesting thing – I mean there's a lot of interesting things about Brady uh, to me. One of them, and this gets into more uh, under the hood, which I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast like. So if you're Fox Sports PR – you in some ways do not have to promote Tom Brady because he's Tom Brady. Like you know what I mean. Like y- you're gonna read the fact that he's gonna be on the broadcast, and you're gonna tune in probably out of curiosity. Not to mention that whatever game he does is gonna be one of the best games that week. That said, there's gonna be a lot of people like me and you who are gonna want to write about Brady and talk to Brady. How do you think they um, they roll him out? Now he's gonna have a lot of say in this, Andrew. As you know, he's Tom Brady's his own corporation. He's got his own. Uh, marketing people and public relations people. But he's just so unique to me because, like, traditionally, like, we'll take, we'll take ESPN for example. You know, they wanted, they they made Buck and Aikman available everywhere when they were um, bringing them into Monday Night Football. They wanted to get as much publicity as they could. Brady's kind of interesting because he's, in some ways, he's a, more of a Fox Corp hire than a Fox Sports hire. And so I'm curious how you think Fox Sports handles that. And I imagine however they handle it is going to be dictated by Brady and his people, too.
1: Well, listen, number one, Andrew ferrer who heads their PR, you know, does all, all the, the top work there. I would never tell him what to do because he knows what he's doing. You could just ask him. What you said, too, Tom Brady's not just, like, you go in and Fox says, look, this is how we're... This is what you're going to do. It's a discussion. He has a team. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, uh, so, look, I, I think... Um, there's advantages to talking a lot. I, you know, like you, you know, I think that being on a number of podcasts, I think sometimes helps you, um, with certain people because it helps them. Um, I don't feel I'm like that personally. Um, I try, I, I don't, you know, like obviously you want access and that's good. And that can, that can be beneficial. and, and, you know, it's human nature to like somebody more that you, that you know better. Um, But so, yeah, so I think there's, there's, there's a couple of ways to look at that. Like you could blitz, um, you know, the field and get relationships and people are going to really be honored and happy to have Tom Brady, you know, doing a story with them or doing a podcast um, with, with him. Um, And that could be helpful because, those people can be um, influential in terms of how he's received. Um, so that that's one way, but if you, you know, the other way would be like, Hey, um, you know, we're going to keep this, we'll let his work do, you know, we'll speak for itself. Um, and, and that's a little bit in some regards, a little more risky, um, because then they don't have that personal feel um, with Tom Brady. But, you know, I think it's, It's not as easy. Like, here's the thing about Tom Brady. I think they have to think about, you know, Greg Olson, who I've said that I think Tom, I think this Tom Brady thing is great for Greg Olson. And I think Greg Olson has done tremendously well. Um, He's in his mid to late thirties. I think he's 36, 37. Um, He's in now a grouping with the top quarterbacks, legendary quarterbacks, top coaches for the next 30 years that he wants, where when these jobs and now pay, at minimum $10 million at maximum at the moment, 37 and a half, he's up for any number one job and he's going to have a good chance to get it. That's a good place to be. Even if Tom Brady's taking his job this year, I think long-term he's in a very good spot. Um, but, but Brady's different. Like when Brady goes into a stadium, like Fox is going to have to have a plan. Like he doesn't just walk in necessarily. Like people see Tom Brady. They want autographs. They want, they, not that they want, they don't want autographs to these other people, It's just a different level where people, you know, you have, I I just think there's security, there's stuff that you have to think about that is a little bit different than when Greg goes in to a stadium. If it's Tom Brady going in, I just think it's a, it's like the, it's like the Beatles, Jordan. It's like, it's a different level of fame that, that um, you have to combat and think about.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And, and, and I'm sure they're thinking about this, but it, it's not the perfect parallel but you know, in some ways, there's like a Terrell Swift element to Brady. Like he he's gonna be, he'll be the biggest celebrity broadcaster, sports broadcaster that exists, and that's just a different feel, just for the audience. That's a different feel for when he's on site. And I'll be curious to see, yeah, how sort of Fox plays that out. All right, one more on this. Uh, you're, although you're certainly welcome to, we could, I mean, we could certainly get into Olson as well. But you know, when when I've read you, you're always like a. Um, you know, this is this is the major leagues. This is the Yankees. Like, the, this is the bar set this high. You got to hit the bar. So, if you're Brady, like the bar is Aikman, Collinsworth, Romo, and Herb Street, right? Like, but but like, if he, if you are him, you are approaching this like I have to be as good as these guys in my at some point in my first year or by the end of my first year.
1: Yeah, we well, you mention Olson. So Olsen, I think, right, like, right. yeah, so Olson might be the bar. Look, I I think. Tom Brady is one of those where he's very popular. And I think as he is more, you know, with the Patriots, he wasn't as open. He won a lot. So there are going to be fans who don't really like him. But I think people most likely are going to want to like him. And I think he's just so knowledgeable that he wants to. I think he comes across as a pretty good guy. You know, like you get to a level of fame, it's like different. Like, you know, there's like athlete nice and then like regular person nice. And sometimes there are athletes who are regular person nice. But he doesn't come across like Caleb Williams, if you're sh- like watching like, like the, you know, it was just the, uh, the other day with the combine. And like, I'm not saying he doesn't come across as, he comes across as, you know, he, a lot of people think he's going to be the greatest thing ever and maybe will be. He talks like he's Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady doesn't necessarily talk that much. He, you know, he doesn't rub in your face. So I think that's, you know, that he's Tom Brady. I think that's a good attribute for him. I also think he's fortunate. We haven't talked about this. Kevin Burkhart is a very good play by player. Um, But what he's really, really the best at is getting a lot out of his teammates. Like, I don't think Olsen's success, um, you know, I think it has something to do that he has Burkhart as a partner who's an unselfish partner who really understands he wants uh, his analysts to do well. We'll make it about, uh, you know, he made it about Olsen. We'll make it about Brady. That's an advantage um, where when you have that and you have that, you know, I would presume it's hard to believe the relationship that Burkhardt has with his coworkers, be it people like a rod or Jeter, or people who are lower level that he won't hit it off with Tom Brady. Like I think Tom and, and Tom Brady's gonna be smart enough to know it's, it's very important to, to have a good relationship with Burkhardt. So I think that's a huge advantage for him that the point guard that he has is someone who's going to, um, want to make him look good and, and put him in good circumstances, uh, situations to, to do well.
0: The, you know, the, the, um, well, man, you know, I, I don't want to sort of get off this topic before I just – we sort of mention Olsen because I wrote a uh, a long piece on it. I, I'm sure at the post you've written on this too. My thesis of – I don't remember if I wrote this when – before you got here or after you got here. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it, I, I'm just not trying to think about it like have I written in – was it this month or last month? Anyway, for the audience's sake, I wrote in the last 60 days. I'm positive about this. And my sort of thesis was – Olsen should stay at Fox, ask for, you know, a a big a big raise and, you know, accept at least in the short term to be on the number two team because you're playing, as you you just mentioned this uh, very well earlier on, either another job at another network comes up or Brady eventually uh, either tires or sort of moves on to something else. I I, we we haven't got into this, but I, I would bet. All the money I own that Tom Brady will not complete the Fox contract. I don't. I can't tell you how many years he'll be there, but it seems inconceivable for to me that he'll be there for all ten. So for your Olson, my thought was, you know, try to get paid low number one money if if Derek Shanks and company will do it. Stick around for a little bit of Fox, and then either the Fox gig opens up or number one opens up somewhere else. Um, I'm sure if you're Olson's agent, you know, maybe you're thinking, hey, I. Let me try to get to Amazon this year. Maybe Herb Street's getting bored or too busy. And, you know, I don't know if I want to be a number two, but how do you see it? Again, you've, you've, someone's written a lot about this stuff and you've always broken like sort of what the salary structure is at that level. Um, What do you think the best course of action would be if you're uh, Peter Raskin, Greg Olson's agent?
1: So, look, number one, like, so he was making around 10 um, as the number one guy. Um, which is a great number—three years out of the league or four years out of the league, whatever it is—doing Super Bowls, being the number one, and a great career, but not a Hall of Famer uh, and a tight end. So that's like a great number. He's going to go down to around three um, as the number two, which is what Romo was making when you know around that three to you know that three to four range. That's what Romo was making when he first came out as a rookie analyst, six, seven years or maybe eight years ago now. Uh, was at 2017, so uh, seven years ago. Uh, so those are fair numbers, in my opinion. And he has the right to leave if there's number one spot. So you don't think you don't think, you don't, think he, you don't
0: you don't think he should be popped more than the highest number two would get. You don't think he should. I be think that, that is the
1: highest number two. I think that's okay. the highest number two because like NBC doesn't have number two, ESPN people, you know, they're quasi. So they're they under contract. elsewhere. They they
0: yeah, they're kind of under yeah. They do other
1: stuff. Ways. Like yeah, like Lewis Reddick and company, they do other stuff. And They don't make that. So, um, off that. So, yeah, so he is the highest and I, and by a good amount. Cause I think, you know, Riddick and Orlovsky are in that near 2 million range. Like, I don't know. I know Orlovsky more. I don't really know Riddick exactly, but I'd say he's probably in that area considering maybe even higher since he did do Monday night football as number one at one point. So, um, so, so I think it's fairly compensated, but I, I think here's the thing about it for Greg Olsen. You had that story where, you know, he discussed, um, you know, with uh, you know the idea that maybe he'd be interested in the the uh Carolina job when it opened up, and like I, he could go do like he the thing is about it, right? At this point for him, yeah, he could go and be the number two, but he also can go if he wanted to try his hand at coaching. And then the number two, you know, number one job opened up, then he's you know, but don't still you a, like? But yeah, don't you? But he's still in a good I, spot.
0: Yeah, but don't you? Uh, yeah, I want you to respond to this. But don't you risk if you leave? Broadcasting the next purse hot, you know, Mike Tomlin comes in, or uh, I'm trying to think who's an who's a quarterback in their late 30s who may retire. Who
1: Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it's oh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Maybe that's Aaron a bad Rogers. example, but you know what I'm saying. Like, mean, if you're might, Ol- yeah, but there might be people. No, that's well. If you're Greg Olson, you do risk out a little bit. If you're Peyton yeah. Manning, you know, we both wrote about Peyton Manning. Um, you know, he changed the game because he kept saying no, right? Correct. He said no a million times, and he finally said yes. I don't know the exact numbers, but I do believe he's in the 20 millions and probably going into the 30 millions and what he did, you know, they do with the production company and they make it a whole thing and, you know, and they add a podcast and whatever they do, you know, they make it.
0: Couldn't give, couldn't give, couldn't give my guys, Kenny Maine and Trey Wingo, some of that money. Some of paint. I know
1: oh, yeah. I, this guy's playing. Right, we get into that. So, you want, like, I pay attention to everything, you know, you, I don't know. Yeah. I think they made plenty of money over the years, but anyways, um, I always find it. Well, whatever we can get into that if, if we want. And, and let's just stay on this topic. Um trying to get myself in too much trouble, but um, the, yeah. So I, I, think, look, however you look at it, however he plays it, I think he's in a good position. I think it's going to work out for him. How exactly? I mean, I always say to friends and family, my kids is like, you, you know, row the boat the way you want it to go. You know, you can't like say I'm going to, I want to go from a to B. It might, it might go a different direction, but do I think he's going to get to where he needs to go? Do I think in 20 years on my, 80th appearance on the Richard sports media with Richard Deitch podcast. Are we going to be saying like, wow, he's, you know, he has the same career as Collinsworth. I think that's very likely. Like, I think that's more likely than not Um, how he gets there, what he does. I don't know, but you're right. That there is a, there is the the issue of if he leaves, um, he might risk, you know, someone else coming in and he doesn't necessarily get it right. Like Collinsworth, you know, that job, you know, does Collinsworth, you know, he doesn't, he's going to, he's, he's signed through the next NBC super bowl. He's not that old, you know, NBC might not make a move then they might, they might just say, you know what? We like Chris. He does a great job and you know, all this stuff is subjective, but I don't think you could argue Chris Collinsworth doesn't, in my opinion, do a really good job. Like, again, is he my favorite at the moment? No, but do I think like, and, and you, know, you know, again, you can nitpick, right? But does he do a good job? Chris Collinsworth? Yes, he does a good job. Like, I don't, I, I, it's, it's subjective, right? The are people, but so, like, and if you say anybody does a good job, you get a million, like you said earlier, you get a million, oh, he's the worst, da, 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 and this guy's the worst, and whatever. So, that's all subjective, but like, forgetting like if you like him or does like him, he's so he doesn't necessarily leave. And so, Greg might have to be patient. It may not work for him, but I would argue also, yes, he's reached the pinnacle. He did a Super Bowl last year, but making three million doing the number twos is pretty good. It's a four and a half month a year job, right? We're not talking, we're not digging ditches here. So I, I don't think I it's a terrible position to be in. It's it's livable. Your ego takes a little bit of a hit and that's what he has to manage his ego. If, you know, And that, that can be, that can be difficult because he's been a super successful athlete. Um, and so they're used to doing really well and being very competitive.
0: Yeah, so two quick things. One, I agree with you. Like, I think objectively Chris Collinsworth does a good job. He's a little too pro NFL for my taste as of the last couple of years. That said,
1: that's fair, because he wasn't before. Like, he, he was He got correct. to where he got by being very critical That's and getting my, people mad. And I think that, 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 that happens point. to most, most of these people, most people in general, kind of sometimes start out that way and then they become part of the... Like Mel Kiper, for example, who I love. Mel Kiper, the reason he, he's part of the machine, he doesn't really the thing that made him great, he doesn't do anymore. Like, and I still like Mel Kiper. Maybe that's, um, who was the, um, right. nostalgia. What, what made
0: Mel Kiper was the, who was the cult GM that said Bill Mel Togan. Kiper doesn't, Bill Yeah, Togan. Bill Tobin
1: that, that, that yeah. was sort
0: of, Mel, and then Mel Kiper became the establishment, but maybe this is just inevitable. So the last thing on this, and then we'll move to no and you'll make, I'll, I'll, I'll remind you of your old podcast. I'll say topic too, just so you know. That it's yeah,
1: there coming. you go. All right.
0: Um. Do do you, do you think having a Fox number two job, with its schedule you'll be working with Joe Davis and Pam Oliver that's sort of your grouping right is that a better job or not then let's say herb street decides i'm done i'm going back to college you're working with either al or someone else on with the Thursday night football amazon schedule what is your opinion forget about money cuz i know the amazon job is more money what do you think okay. is a better football job
1: well, I think most of these guys would go money. Just so I know, you said don't forget about money. So, no, I, I, I get it. You're, you're that's right. your question. But if you're saying like which is more, what schedule is like, better, go, like what what when which wh- what games are I bigger? I think Thursday is better. Like I don't know if it's. I didn't think it's like. All right, we we're taking money out of the equation. I think Thursday a lot of guys like because of the lifestyle too. You're done Thursday. You're home on the weekend. I, Greg has kids. I, I do think that it's a lot of. I do think in, Amazon has that advantage that. You're talking about you know yes you have to pay attention on the weekend but you can be home I and mean, you know some guys don't want to be home so it depends no, you, on the you you're home
0: Friday morning so that's pretty good you,
1: exactly exactly so that's an advantage so I would say that job but th- but that said I don't think the fox fox number two job it just I, I it's hard like again everyone has different personality these are athletes who get to like the pinnacle he played in a super bowl he had a great career so he might look at it differently but i think if you take it like i think it's important always like when you look at your career you're looking at these things if you can take a step back and look at it from you know uh, the sky and you say wait i'm three years out of the league i'm doing the number two i'm making three million dollars a year that's a very good job like that's not a job that and people and he's going to be the people's champ like unless he goes backwards he studies he's like it's going to be you know, people are going to, like, that's why I thought Brady, because there always was going to be the Brady factor. It just might not have been Brady. If, you know, was Greg Olson now, it turned out that maybe everyone would have loved him anyways. I think they probably would have. So it probably would have turned out fine. But and now Brady's
0: got Brady's got to deal with Greg Olson all next year, correct? He's got to deal with that shadow, which is such does. a reversal.
1: I think it's more the, like, I do think it's real with Peyton and Eli, like more Peyton, somewhat Eli, but more Peyton. I think that's the comparison, but the thing is that, you know, this is why all these guys are usually not fully satisfied with broadcasting. There's no actual scoreboard, but I do think that's really more of like, Peyton's been very well-received, and you know, will he be as Um, well-received? So I think, um, but yeah, like, you know, you and I might say stuff like that, but and he might think it, but like, unless he's terrible, but that's not really going to be compared to Greg Olson. If he's okay, you know, there are going to be people who think Olson's better. There's no doubt about that, no matter what Tom Brady could be the reincarnation of peak John Madden, um, and peak Tim McCarver, and whoever else you want to throw in there. Um, and they're still, you know, there's gonna. That's why, like we talked about the first game, social is gonna have their way, and like a few vo- you, 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 it's the majority of voice. And but social is also wrong a lot. So I mean, like that's something too. Like I, if, and Fox is pretty strong on this stuff, not listening to to social media I agree. And, and a million really times better than ESPN. Yep.
0: Yeah, you would agree a million times better than ESPN, who's who has traditionally been reactive to social. Media.
1: Yeah, I think they've gotten better about it. But they have. I, think I agree. They're, I also think they've had more disasters. <laughs> so I don't know if it's social, but like Monday Night Football with um, I hate blaming Booger, you know, because always saying the Booger Mobile is such an easy reference point, but because that's not even his fault. But that Booger, you know, Mobile era with Tessator and Witten, I mean, that was yeah that was bad so i I don't know if it's social but like yeah do they react sometimes too much to that most definitely
0: but i will say that first of all i i, I love Booger mcfarland i think he's an excellent student he's become an excellent studio analyst and that guy deserves a lot of credit for taking for for, for surviving a disaster that wasn't in my opinion of his own making test tour obviously now has a great college football schedule and um and was all and was always good all right. Although again, it'd be a great podcast to do about sort of ESPN versus Fox Sports in terms of how they handle crises. That's just fascinating to me. But topic two. I, 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 if I again, if I had uh, AC Wyatt and the rest of your one thousand people who are working on your podcast, I'd have uh, bells and whistles here. But we'll just go to topic two. You broke an interesting story this week to me. I'm a big. Um, I, I find NASCAR really fascinating. You probably don't know this, Andrew, but at Sports Illustrated, um, there was a, I had an assignment where I. Uh, covered six races in eight weeks, just, just a random thing during my career. And I just found like the whole scene just really interesting, especially as a New Yorker. Like It's just so far and, and like so different. And so if nothing else, like that gave me a sense because er, Dale Jr. was driving at that time. It gave me a sense of this guy's popularity. I mean, the guy was like Elvis, basically, at the track. And so you broke the story that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is leaving NBC and heading to Amazon Prime Video and Warner Brothers Discovery Sports uh, for when they start their broadcasting of NASCAR in 2025. Now, normally you would think, well, you know, could a broadcaster like really like game change like the uh, coverage of a sport? Because NASCAR ultimately has to be about the production. You know, you see like when Fox does its great stuff, like a crash happens and you're inside each of the cars. It's just like, you know, it's really, really well done production, etc. But I feel like Earnhardt Jr. is kind of different. Because he's he was long the most popular driver on the circuit, and it seems like fans love his commentary. So I feel like this this is a pretty significant broadcasting story to me. I know you broke like the transaction, but I wonder if you've just thought about like his he's kind of a unique figure because he's really impactful as a broadcaster. At least that's how I see it. How do you see it?
1: Yeah, so I I didn't do six races in eight weeks like you did. So I'm not a NASCAR expert. I even had to call in Jordan Bianchi and and Jeff Gluck. Um, to sort of just make sure, you know, I obviously know about Daryl Earnhardt, but not right. like walk and it, get walk the it background, it. walk it through and make sure like, you know, I kind of knew it was a big deal. Um, but this is what I can speak to. Um, it's credibility, right? If you're Amazon and you're TNT sports and you're bringing in the, oh, you know, the biggest name in not only broadcasting, but, you know, according to what, you know, our guy said, you know, in the sport still. Um, and I, it just gives you instant, the audience comes to you and says, yeah, they're for real. You know, that's what Al Michaels did with Amazon um, prime video, right? Like you could argue if like, you know, they, they could have gone different ways, but like what Al did right away is a stamp it with credibility. It's Al Michaels. He's done as many Super Bowls along with Pat Summerall as anybody ever. And now he's on Thursday night. Okay, these games are serious. Um, so I, I think when you look at it, that's where it um, where it makes a lot of sense. Like, can I? I just you know I'm just going to be honest with you. Like I was asked to go on um, the you know the NASCAR when it's not it's not things called NASCAR, but serious X. I was like, yeah, hey, I'm gonna pass. Serious Serious X. I'm NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. So like, I just don't. I just don't know. Like like I knew like what I knew the move and I, you know, like I knew what's going on and was able to confirm everything and, and and write it. Um, But yeah. So to give it in perspective, but I do think like at minimum, the biggest thing, and I guess I didn't even need all the preamble. I could have just faked it, but um, is that he gives them credibility right off the bat. And, you know, I think Fox gets a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of positive reviews about how they present the races. um, And I just think you, you go in and, you know, and it just makes sense. And so um, when you're starting something new, I think we saw that with Apple when they started the Friday night baseball and their groupings um, were a little bit like they, you know, they did like this Apple thing where we're going to be so different and have Katie Nolan in there and, you know, which maybe could work, but like, I, I kind of felt like this with like the booger mobile and that like just, just yeah i'm all open like what don't i understand like why why does that make sense why would a, would a would a fan who's not used to a broadcast that makes you know national broadcast in baseball um always have two strikes against them because they're not the local crew that people their fans are used to why does this make sense why is this different what are we, what are you bringing to it and it's just like to me like on the chalkboard before you even do a broadcast i don't really see how that made like i didn't like I, it it didn't work, but I just don't see how it would work. And so um, I think it's very important that when you start these new things, like when the NBA goes and they're going to have new partners, you get that credibility, right? Well, yeah, you want to be different. You want to put your own um, spin on things, but you also want the audience to feel comfortable.
0: Can I get, before we get into the third topic, which will be Caitlin Clark, what do you think of the notion if Amazon gets a piece of the NBA, which I imagine both of us think they will, should they not be making a call to Jeff Van
1: Gundy? They should. I mean, I think Van Gundy, I can make, uh, they should. I think he might've been the best game analyst in sports. Uh, Maybe ever. Sports. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm J- tra- i, I I'm
0: not going to put him into all, I mean, my best ever wouldn't be him in terms of all sports, but there's a very good argument to make. He's the best NBA analyst of all time.
1: He's in the conversation, right? To yeah, me, it was game baffling, analysts. Game analysts. baffling decision passionate about the sport
0: yeah nba
1: like like, again like like, i i it's i know like this is the world we live in people want to draw like straight lines when it's really dotted lines or whatever yeah did yes could you make a could you with conjecture say like they did it because the nba didn't like that he criticized officials like yeah do i think at some level was that in their thinking that this can make the nba happy um if we make this maybe but like i don't think the nba made a call like i don't think you know we can i think of the internet generations just of, of, of truth happens. Like I always say, like our job, like as reporters is like, prove it, right? Like we can all have conjecture and I could have that conjecture, but like our, our job is to prove it. And I don't think that's been proven. That was the case. It was, but to me though, it was very strange. I would not have done it. They've kind of gotten burnt a little bit, um, because of what now it's happened with doc rivers. Um, and so, um, it just didn't make any sense. And also like when you talk about greatest ever, you know, I think these arguments sometimes, especially in like sports ads are somewhat um, silly, but if you are going to do like numbers matter, he, he did more finals than anybody. So that, that, that counts for something. Um, and so, yeah. So to answer your question though, no, I don't think they will. Though I don't think, I don't think the NBA is going to want that. Um, but maybe I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it'll be like, you know two years yeah i mean look i I think they should i think that'd be a great move personally um but so you know you know i
0: mean you you're, you're you've been a good as good on this as anybody it's like i mean the public i think probably at this point sort of knows that even if it's not sort of specified it's that yeah like all the networks make the hires but they're never gonna hire someone that the league disapproves of and so in many ways like the league makes the hire Sort of, if you think of it that way, which again is so ironic to me because it's the broadcasters who are paying the leagues millions and billions of dollars depending on the sport. But you know, you've, you've, I'm sure you've heard this too, where you hear talent like will tell you off the record, oh, yeah, I had to go into the, you know, the NBA office or the MLB office and meet X or meet the head of broadcasting and stuff like that. What's just so frustrating on the Van Gundy one is it's so short sighted because he was great for the league. He made people talk about the league. He made people care about the league. Like that's not to mention he, you know, is a historic all-time coach. Like these are the people you want in front of viewers when 10, 12, 14 million people are watching. So it's it was it was a garbage move and it, re- it remains a garbage move in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I didn't agree with it. Um doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, the layoff thing doesn't really make any sense to me. Because they um, pay how much it.
0: money have they paid for others since Van Gundy was gone? The money does the money is a BS excuse too.
1: Don't you agree? Well he took a big haircut. I think he took like a 40% haircut his previous contract. So he already was making a lot less money. You know, the NBA guys do not make um, you know, what the NFL guys is not even close, you know, they're more in the Greg Olsen range. Um, but they've doing, you know, unless
0: unless you've blown your money, those you know they've they're also coming into ESPN. But yeah, you with know, money, I heard right? you say
1: that. But the only thing I will say is I disagree with your sometimes when you say like they have a lot of money. They but most people who like and just being around a lot of athletes, most people who make a lot of money expect to make a lot of money. So like yes, I agree. Like for people who don't, we you know we don't we don't we're not making millions, so it's like different. Like all right, if I made that, but that's because like a lot, not all of them, but it's not not every single one of them, but like for the most part they make a lot of money and they expect to make them like they think their time is worth a lot of money and so um like the idea that like ah, they shouldn't make that much money it's like they don't look at it that way most no, of love, them love, and love, so love, um, ryan, ryan
0: ryan clark exhibit a b and c i i get it yeah yeah I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, my only point is that e- i i as i've said many times on twitter my point is that espn always has money if they want you like it, they, that's never like that to me is sort of where if they claim economic hardship is a little bullshit to me, because if they want an on-air talent, oh, there yes. is always money to pay that on-air. You don't, I mean, you're going to probably. That's wall Street. street.
1: Yeah. I wall you're, street you're, like,
0: They'll have Stephen A. S- if Stephen, if they want Stephen A. Smith, they will have whatever Stephen A. Smith ultimately sort of wants for money. Correct? Like it's. Yes. yes.
1: Yeah. And also it just doesn't even make any sense. Like they, they had to pay Doc Rivers. Doris, right. Burke <laughs> God, I think. I don't know if she got a raise, but she might have got an extension. Like right. it just doesn't. And also, and look, they they do have. It is a business, so like it's like you know every million counts. I'm not gonna act like it's like nothing. Not yet. But when you add up the money, let's say it's thirty million. Now, I do think their their heart was in the right place because I do think they did the forward thinking, the, the the talent. I yeah, yeah, term, no. I, term, because then they saved people behind the scenes. I think that was the decision they made because they could take big chunks. And so, right. but it's like. I don't know, it's a way, and you know I've had it explained to me, but like you know, it's a way to do the books, and so it like looks a certain way for Wall Street, but like, I just don't know what where that actually know that when you buy something
0: yeah when you pay people not to work the, for the next year you could I think you could write it off the book the previous year, right yes, that's so exactly. sort of the argument. you know,
1: write the whole thing off, I get it, but you're still paying. I, it, we're, but it makes no sense
0: to pay someone not to work. I, I we a, we
1: need you get like you need like we need like a you know someone who would really understand this stuff to really explain it. But like it's it seems like a very it seems like a trick to fool Wall Street, and it doesn't seem to work. I got to be honest with you because it hasn't layoffs haven't been really good for Disney or is and maybe they were needed, um, but um, it hasn't really the the idea that the stock price it hasn't, that hasn't worked with the stock price. So, um, I, I don't know if, um, you know, I don't think they're done probably, you know, I'm not just everyone listening. Out there, I'm not saying it's like on the horizon. I'm just saying like, it is just judging over the last 10 years what's happened at ESPN. The idea that they might not have more, you know, they're pretty bare to the bone at this point. Um, I don't think it's like unfathomable considering it kind of happens every couple of years now.
0: Bob Iger still doing renovations on his house or, or are those? Over? Yeah, I
1: believe. Yeah. He's doing fine. Bob Iger. you think of college Bob Iger.
0: No, that's right. You are another Ithaca guy. All right. Yeah. So to finish up on the NASCAR stuff real quick, um, courtesy of one of our guests, Austin Carp. by the way, now the new host of uh, your old podcast doing very well yes. there yes. Fox averaged 4.5 million viewers for the NASCAR race in Atlanta. So again, just keep in mind, like this is a good property. Uh, no one's saying it's the NFL or, you know, it's not the college football, like uh championship, but you, know, you draw four and a half million viewers for like sort of every Sunday or every Saturday. Like, uh, this that's a significant property, and so the Earnhardt move is is big. All right, topic three here. Caitlin Clark this week um, announced that, uh, or actually, by the time you listen to this, it'll be last week announced that she's heading to the WNBA. Um, and prior to that, of course, will be the NCAA tournament. It's been a lot of talk, Andrew, and I actually, I I think you agree on this as well, that um, while the viewership numbers will still be bigger for the men's tournament than the women's tournament, just feels like there's been sort of a, kind of a shift because of her in terms of like, how do I say this? Like media coverage or attention? Like I, I have, you know, obviously I'm someone who's covered women's basketball for a long time. I did it for Sports Illustrated before I came to The Athletic. But this is honestly the first year where it feels like, sort of your average sports fan is like thinking about the women's tournament in almost the same way they're thinking about the men's tournament. And that is very, very new for me. And I think she is like reason A, B and C for this. So I'll be real curious to see what the viewership is. I'm sure ESPN is praying that Iowa could at least get to the, you know, the elite eight. I don't think they're a final four team, but, um, you know, again, from the sports media perspective, how have you, how have you sort of witnessed and, and experienced Caitlin Clark?
1: I think you're right. I think it is different. I think it is a moment. I think it's going to last into the WNBA, and the biggest reason it's how she plays, right? It's just if you were to say you watch any basketball player right now in men's or women's basketball, uh, I think you'd pick Caitlin Clark. I mean, I know I would. I don't know. I can't name that many men's players now. You know, obviously, there's big college you know, the, the John Rothsteins of the world, um, you know, who uh, you Seth know, know Davis, every yeah, Seth Davis, all these, all those folks um, who, uh, you know, uh, and, and there's a lot of big fans. So like, I'm just saying like for me personally, um, so I think it is different. It is because of her. And I also think like, you know, we always talk, you know, like I'm a big soccer guy. Um, and so like, there's always this big thing about like, I want it to be bigger. It's like, I don't, I never understood that personally. Like if I like it, right. Like I don't really like, what do I care if it's big? Like, yeah. Would it be nice if the domestic league was the best league? Sure. But like, whatever, you know, I can, I can watch the premier league. I can watch champions league. I can watch everything. So does it really matter that much uh, for me personally? But I will say what, what we're seeing with Caitlin Clark, I do think, and I don't know how old, maybe you know offhand, how old the WNBA is. I'd say it's a probably about 25 years, maybe. So, maybe yeah, 30, a more, roughly. 30 yeah. years. Okay. So I just think this is the seeds that were planted for 25, 30 years where you get the Caitlin Clark because I do think when the WNBA first came out, there was a big thing like the fundamentals were better. And, and I think if you watch, they were fine. They just weren't better. It wasn't like the basketball. By the way, 20,
0: uh, my bad 20, 20, 27, 28 years ago for the WNB founded. So keep, okay.
1: So I remember, yeah, like I was at the Liberty Vindicator and I covered local uh, high school football in Texas. Um, but I was able to write national columns. I remember going and I think I wrote about the Houston Comets and, and whatever. And the point being is that, yeah. So the, um, Cheryl swoops. who was in the news. news. That's Uh, right. The, uh, the so, but I think the, the the thing was like the big selling point was like, yeah, not no dunking better. Better. I mean, you watch like, you know, people could say that, but if you're watching again, it was good basketball, quality basketball, but was it better fundamentals than me and the NBA? It wasn't better. It wasn't better. Like, and so I think wh- what the season we're playing is that like, Caitlin Clark, what you're seeing though, it, it's, it's like, better. She's better. Like the overall game, like which would you rather watch? I mean, you know, it, different people are going to have different opinions. Um, but if you ask about one player and how the game is played, how that team plays, how everything goes through it. For me, like when I was maybe in high school, Chris Jackson, who changed his name to Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, um, when he played at LSU, um, he was my favorite player. Right, My best friend called me Siege because I was such a big fan for CJ. Um, and so that's who she reminds me of, just in terms of how that, How when you watch her, like he was just Chris Jackson – was just amazing to watch he'd come down he dribbled between his legs and hit a three um tremendous story i know you've you've uh, tweeted out the si cover, the cover. yeah famous you, you
0: probably remember that cover 1989 i
1: loved that i read, I read that like uh, yeah I, I loved him right and so that's what she is um and i think when you look at this version of mark's madness she's the most interesting story her going out is there anybody in like Again, I don't. Want to put, <laughs> I try to put people on the spot. But is there a, a guy on the men's side that we care about if he's going to come out or not? No, like, is there there's, there's not. That there's,
0: there's, is no, no, there? there's no. There's um, no. There's no Zion Williamson. There's no Victor, Victor exactly, Weminyama. Yeah. I realized he obviously he didn't play in the states. But like that, that person right now on the men's side doesn't exist. Like n- not this year, at least.
1: And that's where the media part of it comes in, and it has to be organic. It has to be natural. And there's been like in look, the, the women's game and you've been all over it cause you're a big fan of it and covered it, but it's been very good. Like there's been great players. Um, I, I can't remember when I went to college, there was a, I, I'm, I think I was on like the radio calling a game and there was a, can not I can't, I don't remember the team or whatever, but there was a, a woman on the other team and she played kind of like, like she played like, wow, this is fun to watch because she played a different style and there's been women do- not a long time ago. Right. So, um, you know, cause I graduated a few years ago now, um, is that, but it's just the way she played. And I think that's what, so when you talk about TV and you talk about like the impact on WNBA that she's going to have, I think it's going to be a big impact. You know, I think what happened with Steph Curry, it's not like, like, I, I think where it's graduating and this is kind of like, I think when new leagues we see it with the MLS, we see it with, like when you compare it to leagues that have been established for a long time, like people want it to go faster than it does. Right. Or like the WBC, like WBC is going in a good trend where it possibly I'm not saying it's going to be the World Cup, you know, as compared to soccer. But it's
0: but it's it's, but it's it's interesting. I mean, that last WBC was awesome how that ended. Like it's a good event. Yeah. In terms of Caitlin Clark, we are uh, both in absolute agreement. I I was just going to say quick that um, the reason why she's captured public attention. I had Sue Bird on this podcast a couple of weeks ago and her sort of thesis was the logo three is just, um, you know, one, it's because of where when she was born. You know, women's basketball is in an ascendancy. She happens to be 21, 22 years old. Perfect time for her. But the other thing she said is it's the logo three shooting that everybody can sort of relate to. And even if you're a dude, it's not you, like the whole dunk argument's gone. Like everybody, men and women can relate to long-distance shooting. Do you know what I mean? And like, like it's something you can either try to emulate or it's something that's like super cool. And that's... I think that's what what she's captured is just like you can, no matter your size or athletic ability. I think you can wrap your hand around somebody shooting from like thirty five feet out.
1: I agree. Look, I'll defer to Sue Bird. <laughs> she uh, has more credibility on the subject than I do, but I also think it's the passing and.
0: Oh, yeah, um, I agree. Good point.
1: And I and like, you know, for lack of a better term, the swag she plays with, like it's not um i just think there's like a confidence to her how she plays and like i haven't like watched her you know like i pay a little bit of attention in terms of her interviews and stuff but she comes across as very nice but not overly um not too flashy like she kind of points to everyone else like derek jeter was great at this and joel sherman at the post my former colleague had a great line of once about jeter in terms of like how he presents itself, it allows everyone to color in, you know, how, how they feel about him, Right. It's like, you know, they, it, it, because it's like, and he was clutch. And so like, I think she has some of those qualities. Um, but I just also, it's just, and I just like bottom line, male, female, it doesn't matter. It's entertaining. And we saw it with the nine. So getting back to the year, like how we started here, um, the Media aspect of it, it did nearly 10 million people last year on ABC. Your your quest was successful, and um, you know, uh, you know, you did influence that from what I've heard. Um, I like, think so, uh, I did. Although, you're
0: breaking 90% of the stories. If I can have some influence, I'll take that. It, That's it, great. Yeah, uh,
1: well, it, but, look, there's who was I telling the other day because Mike and Chris, Mike Frances and Chris Russo. Especially Mike like took credit for like the Mike Piazza trade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want right, I, don't, I, don't, I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna pull a Francesa
0: and say like uh, Parcells anyway. was gonna hire me once or something like that, you know?
1: Listen, um listen, I'm the one who got the women's tournament on network. Like so, look, I, I think you had some but like, you know. I think I had some you pushed it, which which helped. Um and you know, look, here's the thing. The really the helping, it's easy to push now, right? It's when you're pushing before it's cool. Like, I mean that's when to me where like, you know, for what we do where you really want to tell those stories before it's cool or people realize it, you tell, you're, you're ahead of it. And you are ahead of it on that. And it's, uh, you know, anyways, and now it's on ABC, it got 10 million people. It's somehow, you know, better than I do. I know you said like a lead eight. Well, first off it'd be, I, I hate this. Like, you know, they're rooting for the Yankees. Of course. Yeah. They Fox and they want the Yankees in the world series. Of course they want the bigger markets. It's better for them. Um, so I, I it's just like a kind of trite story sometimes to me that, that like, but, but I do think in the Caitlin Car- Clark, um, it would be really good for ESPN, ABC, college basketball, the WNBA, if she can get a run. Uh, and if she could play Angel Reese and LSU again, or get to play UConn. Or, so, or, yeah, or uh,
0: South Carolina. Like, I, yeah. South I mean, Carolina. The Whatever is, the storylines are. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the reality is, I, I was not close to the best team in the country. They, they, they may be five or six or seven you know south carolina is an incredibly great team you mentioned uh lsu and angel reese are really really fast and they're kind of like uh um you know they kind of like have the best collection of stars and it'll just be a question if they can find themselves but the, the sport isn't a great place because like angel reese and juju watkins again i know you don't follow this uh as closely as i do um there's Cameron Cameron Brink. There, there's just there's a lot of stars right now, and they all have different personalities. Uh, Caitlin Clark has a very different personality than the people I just mentioned, and it's on an ascendancy, and it's good. It's good to see, and it's it's interesting. Um, there's a business element to it. We just saw ESPN signed a deal with the NCAA tournament. I'm not with the NCAA tournament, but with the NCAA, where the women's basketball tournament is part of all the other properties that they got. So, you know, there's real business elements to this uh, to this as well. All right. A couple more things here and I'll let you go. I mean, you give me a lot of time. So, uh, you know, we've had first a lot time. to catch up
1: first time, long time. So
0: I had a- We've had a lot <laughs> first to catch first up time,
1: on first time and now a long time. Good.
0: I know. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I mean, I was going to get into the whole Disney, uh, Fox Warner brothers, discovery streaming venture, but I, I feel what you guys have, you know, you cover that. It feels like on the other podcast where you've written about it and I'll have you back and we can talk about it then because like at the moment, we're in a little bit of a hiatus right like we have to wait until the legal parts sort of play itself out and we're still nowhere near pricing or anything like that the
1: only thing i think we might as well promote the athletics since they both pay us is that the original column i think holds like that holds i wrote up, that, right? right yeah uh, although yeah, like, that i do love
0: years. i love when um i absolutely love when um what was i going to say i love the fact when i'm hearing like paramount and uh Paramount Global CEO, like, blast them. Like, it's kind of fun to read. Yeah, yeah, and it's fun. No, it's interesting.
1: I mean, look, it's those superpowers getting together. That's, you know, when you first hear about that, you're like, wow, this seems earth-shattering. But we both made calls, and I think it's as easy as the skinny bundle, which, you know, is what they call when they're putting, you know, programming together, you know, in smaller bundles now. And I just think that this comes in between where ESPN direct to consumer that's going to come next year will be priced and then what YouTube will be priced so 40 to $50 um, which you said is that you know I, I think that's where um, I think that's what this is I don't think they can I, 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 the idea that they're going to be um, um, bidding on rights together I do not think again I don't want to say there's zero chance that will happen because there's so many people who are like you know the leagues are worried and all these others So I'm not going to go and be like you know, doing it, I'm not doing anybody's, but I just think if you look at it logically, that doesn't make sense. They all are, this thing, in my opinion, in two years is going to have like 2 million people. So then they're going to bid together to build this up when they're getting affiliate fees still from all the cable companies, ESPN's trying to build direct to consumer. And also what's misunderstood, and I thought ESPN was a little late on this in terms of how they got the word out, and they would have been better off getting it out a little quicker, is that the ownership is one third, one third, one third. But the money that they make is not one-third, one-third, one-third. Because when you first initially look at it, you're like, why does this make sense for ESPN? They have so many more... They have more properties than the other two. They've invested more in streaming than the other two. They're just going to take a third of the profits. That's not how it works. They get around 60% of the money, maybe a little bit more, um, for every... Whatever they price it at. And it, it... The... There's a scale that will work in terms of what you're bringing to the table. And so... It makes sense, and, and but that, that that said, that ma- it makes sense for Fox as well. They're just this is all additive. Fox isn't they they were smart and stayed out of the streaming game, and now this is additive. If they make money off of it, good for them. But I, I just don't think it's as game changing, at least for now. Now, where could it lead? That's where it's interesting. Where could it lead one day? And could they all get together? Yeah, that, that that's interesting. And I do think that there could be a market for some people who get this, then you add Peacock, you add Paramount Plus, and then maybe call it a day on sports um, and then have your Netflix and whatever else. And that's it. That's all you get. But the problem is for someone who just looked into it for themselves is that once you do that and then you call your cable company, then they jack up your uh, internet cost. So it's like, you're not really going to, when you, when you do the math, it's like, all right, I can pay spectrum. In my case, it's $170. And you know, how much cheaper is it going to be now? Now look, I need more things than most people do, right? You know, most people can make their, I love, you know, you love the sec. You could say, all right, let me just get ESPN. I don't really care about all this stuff. I'll save a lot of money. And that maybe you just spend the 25, $30 a month for ESPN because all you care about is sec. And you don't care about the NFL as much, or you're watching on broadcast, you know, and you'll, you'll get enough. Um, but last thing, let me just say the one thing I think the leagues have to be very careful about, and you'll see this in the NBA deal is that you teach people not to watch, not to listen? They'll list. They'll 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 hear you eventually. And I think baseballs run into that a little bit with like you know too many. I get it. They want to get into streaming. They want to do this. They want to do that. But like you're ultimately, you're teaching people like you know what? I can live without this. The games aren't that important. They're telling me they're not that important. They're making me pay for three different things to watch the same game in a week. Um, and so. Uh, that's where the leagues it's a tough thing because they need to make money and they want to keep the numbers where they were but they, you got to also be seen and it's got to be easy for people
0: that's true Paramount plus right now has my favorite sports uh, studio show which is the abdo Thierry Henry, Michael Richards carrier show so they have they, they, they have that all right final two I mean again I could keep you forever but'll we'll, we'll just keep it the final two our mutual friend John O'Rand, your former podcast partner moved to Puck after a long distinguished career at Sports Business Journal. When me and you have talked, you've sort of always talked about that your belief in terms of like, who's going to win long-term when it comes to sports media is either something with very big scale or something that's small and like tight and compact that, produ- that like has like unique content that you can charge people a significant amount of money for that content that would in theme- seemingly be puck's playbook it you know you get these 12 13 great experts um they do all this insider stuff and then you charge people you know um three figures uh to you know to get the product particularly a lot of industry type people so can puck be a winner long term in your opinion and also specific to obviously john joining it and putting a sports arm there
1: So yeah, like I think, like we've discussed, I I think if you're small and direct to consumer and they keep, you know, you don't have a lot of people to feed, um, I think you can be very successful in subscription uh, because the numbers aren't, you kind of have to be like a small town newspaper to do like really well. Like I I think when you talk about local news, now getting, now like local news, I don't think you're going to make you know, what Puck potentially could make. um, But do I think like, could people do sub stacks for their town? Um, you, you know, again, I'm not talking about, you know, charging $100, but could you charge 35 and make a living, you know, living in a small town? Yeah. So,
0: what um, about, what about 10 a month though, which would be 120 a year? That's not, still not a, you know what I mean? Like, if, it if you're,
1: like, you have to be, but it has to be good. Like, here's the thing about it.
0: It has to be good. So, I agree.
1: You have to be at the top, like, you know, you have to be giving information that is different and presented in a way um, you know and like the the bundle that they've created you know I think from what I understand they look at each of them as like a sub stack and then they bundle them together and we talked about the bundling they're kind of doing what everyone in media is doing you know some of it makes sense and you're interested but like most people come in I, I would argue for where we work now the athletic most people come in for one thing and like the and so I think like really big can work like the athletic um, is that they come in for one thing and then you start, okay, I get that one thing. I love that one thing. That's what I'm paying for. Like they don't consciously think of this, but they, that's what they want. And they come in for that one thing. And then all of a sudden they say, all right, I get all these other things. And then here's a great story by Katie Strang. And you know, here's a Ken Rosenthal's all over everything in baseball and Tyler Capner, et cetera, Andy McCullough. Um, the, uh, and you go on and on. You're, I think um, you're up to
0: like nine name drops at this point. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. that's what you do, Richard. I've I, I You, you, you're not opposed to name drops. You, you like to crush people too, but you, you don't mind name drops. I love
0: the name. I, I do. I love name dropping. I think it's it, especially like the name dropping on this podcast, where like five people know the name drops, and then angry people on the, right. in the in uh, the on the iTunes uh, like comments I'll hear from angry anyway,
1: Gersing. Like, let's not tell him beforehand. Hopefully, he listens and he hears that you know. Um, so, uh, so anyways, they, to Puck and to, to John, yeah, like I, look, this is something they pursued him aggressively first yeah, down, yeah, and then he went back hour. and said yes. And I encouraged him, you know, I, you know, we talked about, obviously I knew what was going on, um, you know, with his, you know, cause obviously it impacted the podcast. Um, and yeah, I think it makes sense. Like, I think it can work. Um personally, um, do you think it could and, work lo-
0: I, I didn't interrupt you, but I do want to get your take on this. Do mm-hmm. you think it could work long term as an entity or do you think it works long term to ultimately be sold?
1: I think both. Well, like again, I, I just you know there's been we we know of and there's been stories and numbers put out there of Substack um success stories, like real success stories. um I think if you have like I think that what people get wrong about subscription in my opinion um and this isn't like, you know, people say stay subscription and like, no, duh. But like, I think like people in our business, when they talk about the subscription, like sports writers, and you talk about the business and that's, and let me just preface this. I just want to make this very clear. I, like anybody else does not know where everything's going. So I'm not acting like I do. I just want to make that as clear as possible. That said, the idea of subscription isn't like, everyone's always like, no one's going to subscribe. It's like, yep, that's true. You don't need everyone to subscribe. You need to get like one out of 10, right? You know, like you look at like the New York times and our parent company, what they've done and the numbers they have, because they're, 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 you know, used to be, you can reach, let's say back in the day with the printing press, like way back in the day. Cause that, you know, became national, you know, pretty quickly, but you know, there's at one point you can only reach your regional area. Now you can reach the whole world. And I would imagine that the New York times has, and I think the athletic probably not as maybe as many as the New York times has subscriptions all over the globe places you wouldn't even think right that people are buying it so you think about it how many people are on planet earth and the percentage that you need now easily and then the numbers that you need so like if you're john oran and you need to let's say you need to get they're charging a hundred dollars right i mean if he gets five thousand people right a small newspaper you know times a hundred that's a pretty good that's pretty good that's a very good number
0: um Just paid, paid, so, paid for his you know, paid for him and more
1: Exactly, and so I mean they put out some numbers. I don't know if they're true or not, but like if they are, it's, they're already doing well. Um, but you know, I'm big into let's verify numbers before we just throw them hey, out. There. Uh, well,
0: you can verify this. He's got my hundred.
1: He you got your hundred. You got my yeah. Like, well, I know yeah. So there's two people. So like again, that's two. I'm not saying it's easy. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying it's definitely going to succeed because. $100 is not like a, that's a that's a significant amount of money that people are think script. about I agree about. but if it's something that you care about you're passionate about um I think it makes I think the athletic has been a success story I think you know from outside looking in now it's like it's 8 years in but it's it's been I mean I, you know I don't know everything or close to anything but like you know it's it's been a success story and there is a business model, and like I am a big believer of zigging when everyone's zagging, which is what the Times did in 2010. Even though you know the Journal had also done subscription, people had done subscription, but they went all in, and you know there was there were columns written about how but it's going to do it, it. but it, it, but it, it, it saved the it.
0: you can make the argument it saved the business, right? They're like I, I, yeah, you know, I would argue it now saved that their the business,
1: I don't know if it saved yeah all the their, business, their, saved their yeah, business. yeah
0: their business, right? I mean, they, in many in many ways, their. They're beyond a news like they're a. I would consider the New York Times company are top. You know the people who ultimately pay our bills. I I, they're they're to me like a life. Would you call it like more like a news lifestyle company? It's a bundle. It's like it's the
1: same thing as what we're talking about with Puck. And it's like well, and that's the thing, like
0: because Wordle and Connections. That's that's not per se news, but that's you know or why. But the traditional newspaper. Part of why you'd buy it
1: though. But the traditional newspaper you did have crosswords. You did have in comics.
0: Exactly. So it's like,
1: it is, it does have that basis in news. It's just, these things are very popular. And I think that it's very smart. I think what, you know, newspapers are very slow as they lost, you know, classifies to,
0: and they gave away their content forever
1: free, but they were very slow into saying like, well, how do we diversify the business? And I think like the key you know, and you, you know, the athletic is doing this now too. It's like, yeah, you have subscription. Now you're doing half, like they're very smart about what they're trying to do um, in terms of complementing each of their businesses. Uh, And so to get to like puck, you know, is that, yeah, like, I, I think, I think it can work very well um, for the individual now, you know, is there, but I don't know if there's like so many, Like, yeah, I don't know if there's like, how many pucks can you have in the same topic? Right. Yeah. So you really want to own the topic. Right. And so, um, and I do think that, you know, for us, for example, with the athletic, I think it's really good that like in England, from what I understand, it's become really dominant in soccer or in NHL, it's really dominant in hockey like that's good for all of us because of the thing is like I come in for hockey and then all of a sudden I like Richard Deitch's column too. And now I'm actually really interested in this or whatever it is. Um, And so that's why it all works. So, but I think it also works on a smaller level for the individual. I don't think it's going to like, but I, but I, but it's very important to be, you have to have information or stuff that's interesting. That's different that you can't really get any place else.
0: Alright, so this is a long way of saying in terms of who's up, John O'Ran and Puck are up in the Andrew old O'Ran <laughs> um, Marchand uh,
1: I, I, Yeah, I don't know. I, you're putting words in my mouth. Um, well, you're not going to say think,
0: they're down. They're they're no, somewhere they're between down.
1: No, I think I think Puck is up for getting John O'Ran. I believe him man. John great guy and uh, hard worker and um, that was a good get for them and I think from what I look, cause I was someone who looked up, like I didn't buy, puck, like I I got their emails. I never took the uh, dive into puck until John went there, um, and I got my little twenty five dollars off on his. Uh, hopefully, he gets credit for that or whatever. So I got it for seventy five. You got it for hundred, but um the um but I never uh but I never. Like it was interesting to me, you know, about yeah, yeah. Like I, dads. I, I know
0: who Matt Baloney is, but I, but, uh, but I, it's not like I read all of those people, but now I will because I'm now invested in it because of John. And also,
1: if you pay for things, generally speaking, you again, it goes two ways, but you are more interested. It's like, oh, I pay for this. I should read this. And that actually is a draw. It's like Amazon with their BS free shopping, free shopping. Well, actually, no, you give them $140, $50 a year at the beginning of the year, and then it's free shipping. I'm going to free shipping. It's like free shipping. Um, it's not really free now. It might be a good deal. And I would say at my house, it is a good deal because it's Christmas every day at the doorstep, but, um, the, uh, um, with the new Amazon package, but like, um, uh, you are, it makes it, and it's so convenient that you just buy more and more. So it just makes it, it's, it's an interesting, um, you know, people far smarter than me who understand subscription could explain even better, but it is interesting that how it kind of feeds people, Using it in consumption.
0: I think this is the longest podcast I've done in a long time. Do you subscribe to the Washington Post? I do. Okay, so do I. You subscribe to, will you subscribe to the New York Post still? You probably
1: will. Yeah, right? I do. I get, well, the New York Post, yeah, I think I will. I, I get the, um they have a great um, app, you know, full iPad app where you get the actual paper um and it comes on your iPad and you get the full paper and, you know, Obviously, when you work there, that's one thing. But it's part of my routine in the morning. Now, maybe it'll change over time. But it's a very good. Pro- like I think they should push it. I know that they do well in it, um, and um, I could see them. Um, I don't know. I feel like they should push that one more. Maybe at the old school. Maybe like young people would be like, Nah, I don't want that. But it's you know, if you like the New York Post, it's a uh, very good product. All right last two, really quick. Yeah, you don't you have, have to give any Yes, the New York I, I mean, we're owned by the New York Times. So, yes, I have Well, I know you. York yeah, Times. I'm
0: sure you subscribe to New York Times. Like, I, but, you know, you get oh, it for free now. the Wall Street
1: Journal. But well, the Wall Street Journal is what I used to get for free. That one's in question. But I used to get that I for will free. say, I, you know what? I, I,
0: I, I, both of us know some reporters and writers, the Wall Street Journal. They are incredibly talented. But don't ask me to talk about the op-ed. Oh, right, anyway, last, yeah, last, last. New side is great. Last two topics. Uh, you're eventually going to do a podcast again, correct? You don't have to give any details, but that is something just like conceptually you're interested it's in. On, People yeah, will be yeah, curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the list. All right. But most likely not with O'Ran, or you do not want to say that?
1: I mean, that's an interesting way to answer a question. I would say um, unlikely with John.
0: Okay, right. Because you obviously work at different places. Okay.
1: He's at, the, he's at Puck, and so his stuff is owned by Puck. Um, and so if we were to do it together, it'd have to be with puck and like, whatever I do, I, you know, like I can, like you, I can do, you know, I have like doing independent
0: yeah. Like I, everybody knows this podcast, this is separate while I have a ton of people from the athletic on, it is a separate enterprise from the athletic. Um, obviously Andrew will be able to get something like that if he ultimately wants. Um, and so, okay. So look for that there, but you know, hopefully Andrew will also come on this podcast a lot too. All right. Lastly, um, people are. I mean, I don't know if how much you've discussed this, if at all. But um, so, what was your thinking in coming to the athletic? Obviously, your numbers uh, and story breaking at the post were significant. You've always had a. you know, you had a long, they, they, that that was a place you worked at when you were young, before you went to ESPN. I know how close and connected you are to staffers there. I know Joel Sherman is a longtime friend and mentor for you. So I don't think the decision, forget about the athletic wanting you, which I think is pretty obvious why they would. So, but forget about that. Like it probably wasn't an easy decision to leave the post just because of your uh, long ties there. So if you are willing, sort of what was your thought process in terms of moving from a place that you had been at for a long time?
1: Yeah, so number one, you you nailed it. Um, I love the post, Um, the sports department. I would put up with anybody's sports section forever for a long time, Uh, from the editor Chris Shaw to Mark Hale to you mentioned Joel Mushnick um there's a million people i could go through brian costello except you, you love when i drop names so all you know i can keep going on and, and on i on they, you
0: go go for it on this one because i know there's a lot of people yeah yeah yeah.
1: yeah the whole staff John Amy I mean, the whole thing everybody you know people who used to work there so you know, it's a great place to cover sports um it's a reason that so many people who've left came have come back um through the years that that's a common trend i was part of that trend going from the post espn and back to the post and i'll be internally grateful for the fact, the fact that you know i was able to come back and do what i really wanted to do which was cover sports media because my biggest passion um, so i was not looking to leave at all um, i was expecting to stay um, i'd been there six years and um you know i do have a contract so that i kind of you know when then when that happens it uh you know that's where you open up things to to other opportunities um and you know the athletics always been a place that i've watched um and been very curious from the start um you know i really like i knew when they hired john greenberg originally um the founders and
0: yeah i I think he's
1: employee number one In he was yeah he was so um i knew john a little bit but i just I almost reached out to them at one point very early, um, when they started and I I couldn't find their email or something. So I never did, but very early in the the process. And so it's something that's been on my radar, um, you know, for a long time and anything, anybody in sports writing, it's been on the radar. Um, and so, you know, what they built and then what they, when the hires that they made, um, coverage, I could tell from you and to, you know, a lot of stories that I would read from local writers that they, there obviously was something with sports media where it popped. Um, and then, so they, you know, I, I noticed the growth, you know, and followed the numbers that they had. And then, of course, you know, two years ago or a little more when they started looking into uh, selling, um, the, you know, when they were, or, you know, got serious about it and they went to the Times, um, that was very interesting to see what it would become. Um, and so I think when you put the combination of uh, what it's built—that um, you know, eight years old—and then with the times, the power of it before, and then getting to know Steven Ginsburg, um, you know, talking with David Perpich, um, you know, who are the top leaders uh, at the place and a couple other people as well uh, through the process, like I felt comfortable. Um, and so then it, you know, at the end of the day, you have to make a decision, um, and it was really difficult and i'm so glad it's over um because it was a very hard thing to uh you know on what to do uh because you know your heart's definitely in some place that's really good to me and um you know very uh it was comfortable um but at the end of the day um you know they made me feel really comfortable about making the move um and so uh that's why that's why i did it and here i am
0: yeah, no, it, um, uh, You know, I, I mean this uh, uh, with full transparency. It's a great hire. Um, I think, as I've said publicly, I think Andrew and I will uh, be able to complement each other. Uh, we do more than we do different things. We just have different interests. Um, I think in this stuff. Um, and again, he's he's a phenomenal newsbreaker. I just to be very blunt, like the best in the history of the space. I, I, you know, I had my run at sports Illustrated breaking news, but, but nothing like this guy, uh, just to, just to be blunt. And so, um, I'm not going to work at the athletic forever. Uh, newsflash to anybody who's listening on this and I want the athletic to succeed after me and these hiring someone like Andrew are, are the kind of moves in my opinion that will do that. I mean, that with the full sincerity and, uh, and I think it's a great hire. And, uh, um, and I'm glad to, I think you already know that I feel that way, Andrew, but I'm, I'm glad to sort of say publicly on this, uh, on this, uh, this podcast. And it'll be interesting to see uh, what you have in store for us uh, heading forward. We will, if you come back, we'll do an entire podcast or at least a long one on Romo because I think people will be interested in hearing me. You can feel free to just knock me for once writing. He's the greatest analyst of all time. I have to take the heat on that. I'm willing to take it. And then I can then come back to you to say that I think you're a little too tough on that team.
1: All right, fair enough. We'll we'll do that. Um, And a very nice. Thank you for the kind words. Um, But uh, yeah, that would be. I read that right.
0: I read that right off the script that they wrote for me. It was a great read. I thought.
1: (laughs) At gunpoint, like uh, you need to say this. uh, But very nice, very good. That is a long podcast, but I we I think it was good. It was good. I hadn't done a podcast. This is the first podcast I've done. Um,
0: You know, and since since yours, right?
1: Yeah, since I yep I haven't done any because I kind of you know, number one. Should you guys have, should you,
0: I mean, you probably couldn't have pulled it off, but is there a part of you that like regrets, like not having a 20 minute, Hey, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Here's sort of what happened. And, and this is why John and I aren't doing it anymore. Or is that just a little too idealistic?
1: Yeah, for me. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know. Like, um, we did it for John. Like we kind of said goodbye to John. It kind of was weird. The timing was just sort of, I mean, it was just coincidental that it all was at like the same time. It wasn't like one had anything really to do with the other. Um, right. It was just coincidental, but John, you know, he was, it was a little, it was a lot going on <laughs> for me at least. And then the whole like McAfee stuff was going like, like all the stories oh, yeah. that are going on without Mike. Well, that's and, another,
0: that's another topic we didn't yeah, even yeah, get into. Yeah, f- so, uh,
1: Uh, the NFL, an NFL story, which still could happen with ESPN. Um, The uh, the uh, yeah, so all that was going on. So it was a lot. But to answer your question, yeah, I mean that's nice. I mean, look, I love the Post for a lot of reasons. One is, you know, they're not doing any like you get to do like something where you say goodbye. (laughs) That's not a a New York Post thing. Yeah, you don't get to say you know. Although they should,
0: you know what? Whenever Joel Sherman retires, though, they should let him do that. Like I feel like I mean,
1: that's you're a retiring, guy. Tiring if you're retiring, but if you're leaving, like, yeah, that's true. It's right. different. You know, you're leaving. I mean, look, I, I, 15 years total, but six I've been back. So it's not like I mean, you know, we're not talking about some long runs. I, I don't, I just, I appreciate that. Like, I don't like, I think it's better. I wouldn't want to do it either. But, but, um, it's, uh, it's just like, I don't. Know, sometimes I think in this day and age, maybe this old sport, everyone's a little too friendly. In terms of like, I don't I you know when I grew up it was the internet was there but it wasn't the internet of today and like you know I saw him with Leon Carter it's like we just do like a little like like a little like ringer every time I mention someone's name Leon Carter who was my boss at ESPN New York um, and now is at uh, the Athletic you know we were talking about the old days of Daily News and Post and when you used to wake up and you know you go to the newsstand and see what the Daily News had and I would always say you know TJ Quinn was covering the Mets. For the daily news and tj is obviously really good and also eight years experience i was a rookie and i'd hit some doubles and then wake up the next day and like oh man he went into the second deck it's like this stinks you know and you know you wake up and it's like ah. Oh. so it, you know now if you get beat you can kind of you know generally speaking you can get it uh confirmed pretty quickly i know
0: grow but yeah that's true everybody's sorry. not to mention everything gets aggregated but growing up i remember in reading the post i think it was the post you can correct me if i'm wrong there was like a small column. I, I, I don't know if it was on Sunday or not. And I think the guy, this obviously wasn't his real name, but the nickname was a guy named Hondo. He yeah, used Hondo, to just yeah. rip Lupica. Oh my God, I love that. Like the guy <laughs> yeah, who Hondo. just have like so a aggress- Let me get like, Hondo.
1: It- Let me get one more name, Joe. Hondo. So well, Hondo, um, I don't know if I, I think I could say it now. I think maybe it's known. But Pat Hannigan, who was like the legendary nighttime sports editor. So like the most important back page every night is the last one right? Like the big bosses, the top bosses are in all day. They talk about the first edition and there's a lot of focus on that first edition. Sometimes I think too much focus when the most important one is, uh, so Honda was the guy and he was uh, really great. Um, and so he would write that. Pat Hamigan, um, who's retired now, but uh, he would write that and uh, um, pretty legendary. But yeah, he and he would and that was when it was at its peak. He would just crush, crush Lupica.
0: crushing Lupica. Crushing Lupica every every time that column came out uh probably not necessarily undeserved but like that i just remember growing up reading that uh and the back and forth i was like it was like a blood war between those two tabloids yeah it was uh, good
1: i once got in trouble because i did an interview with the big lead this is like i don't know when but i just said something about i said like we're trying to crush the daily news or something but you know at the end of the day like tj quinn i forgot what i said exactly but i got a call from my editor (laughs) another another guy greg gallo who's like uh very legendary, like very hard driving editor. And, uh, he's like, you don't, you don't do interviews. Ah, you don't know. It's like, I didn't even say anything bad. like I wasn't like, it was okay. Like I was like, but I sort of said like, Oh, then after you're like friends, like, we're not friends. <laughs> <It's> like, like, <laughs> I know. But the <laughs> so, irony
0: of that is like, it's like, uh, if you actually think about again, we just, this, this podcast is now going on way too long. If you could have combined the two sports staffs of those two, those two places, you know, like yeah. TJ, Isola, all the excellent people at the post. I mean, just an incredible amount of like talent that was floating through those papers in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, you know, obviously the industry cratered and daily news is, is not what the daily news used to be, but like, there was a time if you were living in the New York area and reading both of those papers, the sports coverage was incredible. And I didn't even mention the New York times.
1: Yeah, no, they're great. Great. Um, a lot, of, you know, it was good. It was a good time to get into the business because it was competitive. And I was very, uh, Dave Waldstein. Now you know, at the times now was at the post, then he used to call and when you're an agate clerk, like at that point, you know, they send in their stories and he was covering the Mets. And like, he probably, you know, I would know later, then I didn't really know. He wanted to probably go get dinner before the game. And I'd be like, you know, peppering him with questions about like how he got to like, to be like the met beat reporter. You know, I was very, uh, eager to understand, uh, you know, how to get from where I was to where he was. So, um, um, but yeah, there was a lot of, uh, really, uh, you know, great writing and just very competitive. It was very competitive. It wasn't like that. That's something that I still feel like, um, I try to bring every day in terms of what we do.
0: Yeah, no, you do for sure. Yeah, but when you were doing that, I was getting ordered around by Scott Price as like a young tennis reporter to basically (laughs) go ask Donald Trump Trump about some tennis exhibition. All right, Andrew Marchand is a senior sports media columnist for The Athletic. He arrived at The Athletic from The New York Post, where, of course, he covered sports media, also covered baseball for both ESPN and New York Post. You can um, read his stuff. On The Athletic, his Twitter feed, which I would say is probably, if you're into social media, where he posts his stuff the most. I don't even know if you're on threads, uh, Marchand. Uh, and, 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 but I kind of gave it up kind of
1: quickly. You kind of gave it up. Okay. So it's Andrew <laughs> at you
0: know, essentially at and then first name, last name. And as he said on this podcast, eventually there will be some kind of podcast element uh, for him that comes around. Listen, man, I can't thank you enough. We just went an hour and a half as so long as the, the Austin Carp averages 31 minutes. You just went. You just went 93. Um, so uh, I appreciate the time. I will certainly be reading you at our publication. And uh, it'll be good to hear you when you return back to the audio airwaves. Thank you for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast.
1: Great. Thanks, Richard.
0: All right. Back in the studio. Man, that's long. I haven't had a long one in a while. But uh, Marchand has not been on this podcast before. I figured you'd... Uh... You guys would appreciate that. I mean, we probably covered three percent of what we could really cover. There's so many other things we could have talked about. Uh, But you know, I'll see if he wants to come back on. I imagine he will, and uh, and we'll hit up a couple of those topics for sure. Head to the archives. Hopefully, there'll be some conversations that you will appreciate. Last week, Peter King, uh, who just retired after 40 plus years of uh, sports writing, check that one out. Jason Kirk on the power of college football and his new novel, Hell Is a World Without You. Austin Carp was on this podcast. February 26th, Sue Bird, who I referenced in the podcast, was a guest on February 22nd. Kristen Lapis, the director of the uh, excellent Giannis documentary on Amazon. Again, if you like this stuff, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That's how this podcast continues. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work in uh, putting this long one together. Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for their support, and thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.